0: Are you here? Great! Welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. It's the place you come to listen and relax. We've got interviews with fascinating people. You get to lean back, take it easy, chill, listen while mellowing out. Dude, we've got an interview today from the archive with musician Aaron Hike. Let's find out a little about Aaron shall we? Aaron's a saxophonist and composer. Aaron Hyke released a solo album entitled Daylight and Darkness, and he was a member of the CBS Orchestra featuring Paul Schaefer, seen weeknights on The Late Show with David Letterman, yes. Aaron Hike has worked with a long list of great artists, Chaka Khan, Paul Simon, Aretha Franklin, Christopher Cross, Vanessa Williams, Frank Sinatra, James Taylor. Hey, it's a long list because Aaron Hike, <laughs> saxophonist, pro forma. You know, it's worth noting that as the Paul Leslie hour keeps on chugging along, and with it the Paul Leslie YouTube channel, maybe. You could subscribe. Hey, it's fun, it's free, and it's a great way to help us grow. Well, now it's time to take you back to that archival interview. Sax player Aaron Hike phoned in to that cozy radio station. Let's listen together. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: it is my pleasure to welcome our special guest, Saxophonist Aaron Hike, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Well, it's my pleasure, Paul. Thank you for inviting me.
1: So, who is Aaron Hike?
2: Who is Aaron Hike? Well, I am a saxophone player, woodwind doubler. Uh, I live in New York City. Grew up originally in Seattle, in the West Coast, but I moved out to New York quite a while ago in the mid '80s, basically, and. Just been here since then, um, basically working as a musician, uh, trying to do everything I can out here and play with many people as I can and do some of my own stuff as well.
1: I think most stories are best from the beginning. What was life like growing up?
2: I had a good life. I have a great family. Both my mom and my dad are musicians as well. And I think that's what definitely sparked the uh, the interest. My dad played saxophone as well. He actually still does. I remember as a kid, I'd follow him around to rehearsals and gigs. And, you know, that was like the coolest thing ever. It was basically nothing cooler than that. I just loved being around that world. And obviously, I loved the music too. And between both my mom and my dad, I got exposed to a lot of great music. I mean, all kinds of stuff. I mean, My mom is more of a classical musician that plays violin and viola, and my dad, being a saxophone player, was, you know, more into jazz and pop music and things like that, but also classical music as well. So I got a great, great taste of what was out there, you know, from a pretty early age.
1: So you said your father was also a saxophone player, or is a saxophone (laughs) player?
2: Well, his name is Cecil Hyde. He still lives in Seattle, and he was music was sort of his second income. He, he was a teacher, actually, not a music teacher. He, he, he taught philosophy from at a local college for many years, but always was out gigging and playing, and just kind of did you know everything that was to do sort of in the local Seattle scene as far as like, a commercial music, musician could do. You know everything from playing shows to weddings to the circus when I came to town, things like that. A lot of those things were things I got to go tag along to and see. So it gave me a great insight into just kind of what the world of being a professional musician was like.
1: Was there a moment when you realized that the saxophone was it for you?
2: Not really. To be, I mean, well, there was actually, but it was sort of an accident. It, I can't say it reached out and grabbed me. It was, it wasn't my first choice actually. Um, when I was a little kid, I really wanted to be a drummer. You know, I grew up with the Beatles, and so of course, Ringo Starr being the, the drummer for the Beatles—that was, as a little kid, who I looked to—is like, wow, I want to be him. You know, I wanted to be that. But of course, my parents, I think, were smart enough to <laughs> not let their ten-year-old kid have a drum set in the house. So when it came time to actually pick an instrument it, it, to join the band in the grade school, in fifth grade. Through just circumstances, I ended up picking the saxophone, kind of because everybody, all the other boys wanted to play drums and trumpet and things like that. So some of us had to play some other instruments. So for some reason, I was talked into the saxophone, and I think I figured because my dad played it that maybe I would get some some tips there. So so it was kind of a spontaneous choice, but it actually worked out great. I'm very happy with the way it worked out. Actually,
1: our special guest is Aaron Hike. You currently make your home in the New York City area. What attracted you to New York?
2: Well, that was pretty easy. I mean, even from a pretty early age, I just would look at all the records that I really loved. It was either New York or L.A., if you're talking American records, and, you know, especially all the great jazz recordings that I really loved. It just seems like everything was done in New York, so it seems like that was the obvious choice. There's just such a huge range of types of music and types of musicians, and just just the art world in general, even beyond music that exists here. That way, it just seemed like there was no other no other place I really wanted to be.
1: How did you meet Shaka Khan?
2: Actually, that that was through a, a mutual friend who was producing some tracks from her. This was back in the early 90s. He had wanted to bring me in on uh, to play on a, a tune. I think it was the album. I can't think of the name off the top. Uh, uh, not everyone. Uh, it was a name like that. I can't think of it right off the top of my head. But he wanted her to hear me so he could bring me into the studio to play on a track. And so he actually brought her to a club I was playing at. It was a, it was a great band, and it was a lot of fun. So they came by, and she seemed to like the way I played. And so... And the rest of history. That ended up turning into basically about eight years of work with me on the road. So that was a lot of fun.
1: Are there any memorable moments of the recordings you made with her?
2: Well, I only did a couple recordings with her. My time with her was more live stuff, and you know, on the road. And there were a lot of memorable experiences with that. And I'll, you know, one that I would just jumps right into my mind is I remember the first time Stevie Wonder ever jumped on stage with us. Because, you know, people forget she's, she and Stevie go way back. Uh, he wrote her first big hit for her, you know, from one of her, the early Rufus uh, records, uh, Tell Me Something Good. So they're good friends. And so he used to show up on the gig a lot. And he'd always end up just jumping on stage and sitting in with us. And I remember the first time that happened, it was at the Greek Theater in Los Angeles. And I was just, I was, I've i always been a big Stevie fan. And I would, you know, I just remember my heart going through my chest. I couldn't believe it. I you know, couldn't believe I was actually on the same stage with him with both of them you know actually and and he sounded great that was just amazing but there was always there was a lot of great experiences like that with her just you know and she was she's just such a fantastic singer i mean bill i i can't think of anybody who sings as well as her she's so great
1: our special guest is saxophonist aaron hike here on the paul leslie hour what was it like playing on richard bona's records and and playing with him
2: well that also a great experience. I mean, Richard. I don't know how many people know about him. He's not as well known in America. He's pretty well known in Europe, especially in jazz circles. A lot of musicians know him here. But he's he's just an absolutely fantastic musician. Just you know, one of the one of the honestly one of the heaviest musicians I've ever encountered. He's is a, both as a bass player, as a singer, as a writer. He's also a great guitar player, percussionist. He really does a lot. But yeah, the studio things were always fun. I mean, th- that was one thing. And then his live presentation of his material was always very different. And both were fun. But I spent a lot of time on the road with him as well. Traveled all over the world. I mean, we went to some pretty crazy places. Got to go to you know a lot of places in Africa with him, and just he—he was just his talent is so staggering. It was—it's just kind of you know you'd never know what to expect, and he would always do something that would just even when you thought you'd heard all his tricks, he would do something, pull something else out that you just sit there and your draw on the floor and go, wow.
1: Who do you consider some of the great sax players from yesteryear?
2: Oh wow. Well there's a lot. I mean, there's so many you can point to. I mean, some of my favorites, people I've always loved. I mean I grew up Charlie Parker was obviously one of the first, you know, people I became really aware of, John Coltrane, people like that, Sonny Rollins. Wayne Shorter, you know, has become one of my favorites over the years. I mean I just think Wayne is a true genius, just you know, there's so much inspiration there in everything he plays. You know, just sort of un- so unpredictable and quirky but inspired always. But older players, I mean Johnny Hodges is another one who I really loved as far as alto players go. I mean, it's just it so so soulful and so sweet and such a beautiful player. But, you know, there's a lot. We could probably talk about this all day, and I, we could keep drawing names out of that.
1: What about the sax players from today? Is there any of the younger sax players that have caught your eye?
2: There are a lot of really great saxophone players out there. You know, guys like Chris Potter, Donnie McCaslin, Joel Fong, Dave Binney. I mean, I could go on and on. There's there's some players that are probably lesser known. They're more like musicians, musicians, guys I know here in New York. Guys like Andy Snitzer, Dave Mann. Um, you know, I could go on and I and I really feel bad because I know I'll, I'll leave some people out and you know, I hope nobody gets mad at me for that. But <laughs> there are a lot of really great players just here in the city and then around the world. I'm... Um, always sort of surprised. You just encounter really great young players all over the place. There's been a big explosion of just jazz education in the last generation. And so you go to Europe and they're just they're crawling out of the woodwork, especially tenor players. just really good players. And they're, they're everywhere now.
1: You've performed and you've been on the records of a lot of people. You mentioned earlier performing with Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. But then there have been artists that you've played with, Billy Joel, Sting, Paul Simon, Benny right. King, Barry Manilow, Aretha Franklin, Dionne Warwick. I could go on and on. Sure. Yeah. Has there been an artist, if you could do it again, that you would mm-hmm. most want to play with again?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of those people, I mean, pretty <laughs> much everybody you've mentioned, I mean, these were all great experiences, and I'd be happy to play with any of them again. I mean, you know, the thing about working with, with artists on that level is, when you're talking about the really great artists out there, I mean, they're there for a reason. It's because they really are great. And so, you know, consequently playing with them is always a satisfying experience and yeah I mean it would always be unfair to point out any anyone in particular I mean one person I've worked with sort of more recently though that I really have enjoyed working with is sting. I got to do a bunch of stuff with him in the last couple of years and and he's just so great he's just such a fantastic you know singer player, writer, everything and he's a great guy too. He's really fun to just be around and there's other artists who are no longer with us who i I wish I could work with again. you know I got to work with Frank Sinatra once when I was pretty young, and that was really an amazing experience and so you know, sometimes I think about people like that more, you know, some of the, the artists who aren't with and more.
1: Well, that one begs the question. What was it like performing alongside the late great Frank Sinatra?
2: <laughs> it, was, it was for me it was it was quite a eye-opening experience because uh, again, I was pretty young when I did it. I was probably around 20 years old something like that. And it was in Boston, I was working with the Herb Pommel orchestra actually. You know, got invited to do this gig with Frank and a couple other people on the bill, too. But I was young, and honestly, at the time, I wasn't that familiar with sort of the hipper side of Frank's stuff. I mean, I I was aware of him, obviously, but I knew some of the, you know, other things later in life that maybe I didn't think were that as as cool or great. But I didn't, you know, I didn't know about, like, all the Capital Year stuff and really, really, really great stuff he had done. And... So it was one of those things, I think maybe my expectations just weren't that high, but it was, uh, this is happening with a handful of of performers over the years where the second they walk on the stage, there's just an electricity that that goes through the room. It's very tangible. You really feel it. And I just remember very clearly that that moment sitting on the stage at Symphony Hall in uh, in Boston. You walk on the stage and even before he opened his mouth, it was like, okay, I get it. (laughs) He just really felt it. There was something special about this guy. And then he sang great. And it was just, you know, these arrangements were incredible. It It was an amazing night for me.
1: The title of your record is Daylight and Darkness. What is the significance of the
2: title? It's basically just talking about life, and uh, on many levels. I mean, you go through your ups and downs. A day starts out light, and you go into darkness at nighttime. It's you know a lot of metaphors and analogies there, but it's just basically talking about life and how it's kind of cyclical and goes starts out uh, one place and goes to another place, and then sort of starts over again, and it's always evolving.
1: There's a song on the album, and its title is "Desert Lullaby." What was Mm -hmm. the inspiration behind that song?
2: melody I came up with, I mean, honestly, that was really the the main inspiration. It was just I I came up with the melody. And then the backdrop I set it to, I wanted sort of a Latin-esque feel to it. And I got a good friend of mine, Samuel Torres, who's a fantastic percussionist, to play on it. And we sort of created this very kind of sort of thoughtful, mellow, almost like bolero kind of groove for it. And the title, I can't say really has anything specifically to do with the inspiration other than that was just sort of what came to me after I wrote it and put together the whole thing. But really the inspiration was just, it was the melody that I'd come up with there.
1: There's another song on daylight and darkness. We're talking to the composer, Aaron Hike. What inspired the melody on Drifting Upstream?
2: Well, it's a little bit of a musical joke, actually, because there's a point in the middle of the song where there's this this line that sort of goes back and forth between a couple notes, and the melody keeps rising in pitch, and starts getting faster and faster, and it's always going up. The harmony, though, is going the opposite direction. It's actually sort of moving down, and so you have these two two elements moving in opposite directions, and so obviously the the term drifting upstream is a bit of a play on, play on words, because if you've ever been in a stream, you know that water drifts downstream. You can't drift upstream. It's physically impossible. So it's just sort of a play on words. But it really it came from that idea of the melody moving one direction, the harmony moving in another direction.
1: How do you typically come up with a melody?
2: Usually at the piano. I'll, I'll just sort of tinker around on the keyboard for a while until I stumble on, on something that uh, I kind of like, and then I'll just try to develop it there. And then, and then maybe I'll start to play it on a horn and see where that takes me, you know, on a saxophone or a flute or something. And then that usually sort of inspires... Another direction for it. There's really no set pattern. I mean, all of these tunes come from different places, and whatever you stumble upon is what you end up developing, and, and hopefully that becomes a song, and hopefully it becomes a good song.
1: Our special guest is Aaron Hike. You're also a member of the CBS Orchestra on The Late Show with David Letterman. How did sure. you become a member of the band?
2: Well, that just happened fairly recently, uh just basically this past spring. Well, I know that the saxophone player who was doing it, Bruce Kapler was leaving, and so they started basically inviting a bunch of other Sax players to come in and play. essentially as auditions, but you know it was. You would, everybody would get a, a few shows or a period of time play. And I think it was just a process of, uh, you know, just see who, who felt comfortable, or I should say, who Paul felt comfortable with. And I mean, I knew some of the other people in the band pretty well, and so I think I was recommended by them, and that's how that came about. And for whatever reason, it just worked out that Paul was comfortable with me, and I've been there since. So.
1: What is taping an episode of The Late Show? From your perspective as a musician, what is the experience like?
2: Ha, ha. Well, it's pretty crazy. I got to tell you. I mean, it's it's a fun gig. It's it's great, but it's it's it can be a little nerve wracking. There's a lot of pressure. I mean, one of the, the fun things about the show is it's very spontaneous. Just the way they they do everything. You know, you never quite know what's going to happen. It's not that scripted. I mean, obviously some of the stuff is that Dave does, but you know, there's a lot of room for. They just go wherever it goes, and 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 it's the same with the music. You just never quite know what's going to happen, and it's really fly by the feet of your pants. So you really got to pay attention. And Paul just calls tunes. Kind of last second, and you just gotta just (laughs) jump on as quick as you can. It's it's hard and it's a challenge, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun. and, And the band is great, and it's it's just so much fun playing with those guys. You know,
1: is there anything coming up in the near future with you or your music?
2: Well, unfortunately, nothing with my own project. I mean, I guess I've been a bit of a victim of my own success in a way that I'm I'm very busy right now between Letterman and a couple other gigs I'm doing regularly that I just haven't really had the, the time to work on any of my own stuff again. But I'm hoping to get back to that soon, I'm hoping just things will settle down with my schedule enough that I can actually start doing some more writing and producing some more stuff. Having said that, I can't complain. I mean, i have a very full play right now, but it's all great stuff, and I'm really happy to be doing all the playing I'm doing.
1: What is the best thing about being Aaron Hike?
2: (laughs) Well, honestly, I think it's this this career that I've managed to stumble upon. It's, you know, I love what I do. I I love playing music, and I've been very fortunate in that I've I've been able to play with so many great people, so many great musicians. And there's a lot of variety in in what I do, and I get to play with a lot of different people. And, you know, every day is a a new adventure, and that's always very exciting. And I, I don't take it for granted. I feel very fortunate to be in that position.
1: My last question is very open-ended. For anyone who's listening in, what do you want to say to all the people who are listening?
2: Hmm. What do I want to say to everybody? I guess what I would say is I'm assuming if people are listening, it's because they have a love of music, and I think that's a great thing, and keep listening and keep an open mind. Try to listen to new things all the time. Always explore. Try to find who's new out there doing new and interesting things. I think that gets a little harder, the way the music industry is set up these days. The mainstream music industry really kind of narrowed down options, so a lot of times sort of more creative things don't get the attention or the light that they should, and so you kind of have to seek them out, which, unfortunately, with the Internet and things like that, you can find almost anything. Yeah, you do have to be a little adventurous and go looking for things and, and follow up leads, and there's a lot of great music out there that's you know not getting maybe the attention it, it, it could or should, and I would just encourage people to keep listening and looking for new stuff and find the stuff to float your boat.
1: Our special guest has been Aaron Hike. Thank you very much for making the time to do this interview. It's a great pleasure.
2: Thank you, Paul. My pleasure.
1: I also wanted to turn everybody on to the website. And in case they're wondering how to spell hike, it's www. Aaron hike, and that's dot com. I spelled it right, didn't I?
2: Yes, you did. And, and Aaron with two A's, too. Don't forget that. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Aaron.
2: Thank you, Paul.
0: It's a pleasure. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepauleslie.com. That's thepauleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin.